0: It's so much fun. Hey, welcome into show notes. I'm sitting here with 99 trying to mansplain to her why Tombstone is the best Western and not the motel.
1: No. You ruined my. I was going to say, I'm more of a Hojo fan.
0: (laughs) Hojo from the 86 Mets, Howard Johnson?
1: Yes, of course.
0: Because I started off by saying, say wham. Channeling my best Val Kilmer, his best performance ever. I mean by a mile. Mm. So you've really never seen Tombstone?
1: I I don't I don't think I've ever seen a Western.
0: A Western. So I'm not a fan of the John Wayne era spaghetti western, that whole thing. I know I, the one
1: that's like where he's wearing a serape.
0: well that's all of them, yeah?
1: Yeah, but the specific one where he's like, make my day.
0: Clint? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: We had a have uh, a grateful dead shirt. Where it's like
0: that's Dirty Harry.
1: I don't know what it is. Okay, isn't he wearing a serape? Is that not a western?
0: That is a western, that's okay. outlaw Josie Wales.
1: Okay, sure. Okay. Fish has a song called Make My Days in Law Josie Wales. Oh, yeah, whatever. We have a shirt mm-hmm. and it says Go on, Jerry, make my day instead of like a gun. He's holding like a tape, like he's gonna tape the concert. That's the only reason I know about and
0: that So you mixed all your yes, yeah, Clint serape, metaphors, him,
1: whatever. I don't, I don't know. Okay, I'm sure my Make my, my
0: Days, Dirty Harry. Okay. while Josie Wales Obviously different Josie Wales Fish Right Yeah Not the dead Beautiful song Anyway Val Kilmer's performance In Tombstone Best performance In a western period End of story Kurt Russell's Just amazing in that too I mean the whole Everything Everything's great Except for What is that guy Powers Booth Who overacts through everything (laughs) Yeah
1: What about Have you This is unrelated But I need to get it on my system Get it Have you ever seen the movie Atonement Uh, Unrelated I said
0: Who's the director? I don't know. Charlie, is that a...
1: It's Keira Knightley, James McAvoy, Sorceronin.
0: I really like Sorceronin. Because you like what? Anderson. She's awesome. Atonement. I... Did I? No, I did not.
1: Okay, well, Okay, go for it. So, my roommate and my sister both out of nowhere, like, brought this movie up in the same weekend. My roommate was like, let's finally watch it. And I was like, fine. She was like, you're going to be mad. And I was like, okay. I thought this was like a fucking Victorian movie. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to be mad, but it's going to be stupid. It's like a fucking war movie, and it's so uh, sadistic, and the worst part is that it's not a true story. And this is what I don't like about, like, disturbing fictional movies, is that some sick bastard wrote this movie to make me upset. And I'm like, the world is bad enough. So I truly, we watched it on, I think, Friday. I... Every ounce of happiness drained from my body. I was And it's Wes angry. Anderson? No.
0: Didn't you say Wes Anderson?
1: Well, you said you like Sorcerona and I said, because you like Wes Anderson. And she's oh. in Grand Budapest. Ah. Yeah, so that, it's not Wes Anderson. At least Got that it. would give some...
0: I was going to say, that doesn't sound at all it like was, Wes okay, Anderson. Okay,
1: this is, this is the spoiler alert for Atonement. This is what happens. Okay. Sorcerona's like a little girl. She loves James McAvoy, who's like a family friend. I don't know. He's like the son of a housekeeper or something. Kira Knightley and James McAvoy are the same age. They love each other. They haven't told each other. Sorcerer Ronan sees them, like, in a fight, but it's like a sexy fight. And then she's like confused. And then James McAvoy writes Kira Knightley a letter where.
0: Oh, oh, we're doing the whole plot. Yes. Okay. Because okay. I need to get, right. get to the settle point. in on fuckers.
1: Yes, I'll I'll be I'll be brief as brief as possible. I'm cutting out a lot, so. James McAvoy writes Kieran Knightley a letter saying he loves her. He writes a very explicit version about what he wants to do to her. Oh, my. And then accidentally puts that letter in the envelope, gives it to Scorcer She reads it. Oh, dear. She gives it to Kieran Knightley. Keira Knightley is like, fuck. Then Keira Knightley, like, they fuck in the library, Him, her and James McAvoy. Okay. Scorcer walks in on it oh and my. just assumes that he's raping her, oh. which it's like, no. And she's like old enough, I think. Like, she's like 12. Like, I feel like you should know you the difference.
0: leave Sorsa out of all of this.
1: No, she's the villain in this movie. What? Yes. So then...
0: You're misinterpreting the whole thing. Because she's perfect.
1: I agree. And until I saw this, she okay. redeems herself a little bit. So then, okay, I'm going to make a big jump. It's not going to make sense. Someone else gets ra- actually raped. Okay. And she just assumes it's James McFoy. Okay. And then... James McFoy gets arrested. It could
0: be one of his personalities from Split.
1: I said that to, to my roommate. I said, is go. this just Patricia? And then, <laughs> and then so, okay, so then he gets sent to prison, but then he makes a deal where he can go fight in the war. So this is the 30s. And then, so he's fighting, whatever. He gets injured, but he makes it home to Kira Knightley. And then Sorceron Ronan comes and... She admits that she realized it wasn't him. She she knows who it was now, but she, like, has lived with the damage of what she's done for years and never forgave herself. She's a writer. Flash forward to, like, modern day. Are you sure? Yeah. (laughs) Flash forward to modern day. (laughs) And she's doing an interview about the book, which is called Atonement, and she tells the story of what happened. The end of what we see is that, like, Kier Knightley and James McFoy, they're together, they're happy, whatever turns out, no, he fucking died and oh. she fucking died and they never reconciled and Sorcerer Rona never got to tell them that she was wrong. And that's how the fucking movie ends. And I sat through this and I said, this is disgusting. Why would you make me watch this? Who created this and put them in prison? Isn't that awful? Terrible. It was, I I was genuinely depressed for the entire day. Did it win of stuff? It. The score. <laughs> But it's like it's well received. I mean the movie was done well for a terrible disgusting angering movie, but I'll never get that time in my life back
0: Mm-mm.
1: or that happiness back. Oh. Now that's why I'm like the that's why I'm like why am I watching this fake sad movie? And then I was like if it was a Victorian era, I'm like those people weren't real. <laughs> you know, this was sort of in our lifetime. Ish. 30s. Right. People I mean my grandpa was of alive course, in the 30s. Of course. you have a connection to it it was just you know
0: well that was something join us next week
1: would you let me know if you would subscribe to a podcast of (laughs) like a five minute podcast where I just tell a plot of a movie (laughs) because I do it a lot and I think it's funny (laughs) so let me know
0: Hey, it's 99. We're doing Matilda again this week.
1: Yeah, I went to Madeline in my head. <laughs> you know, well, and he you know, he, he hotwires the motorcycle and whatever. So you do if you thing. need
0: <laughs> to find a source of happiness, there's a, just watch the clip on YouTube where Kurt Russell slaps the shit out of Billy Bob Thornton in Tombstone. OK. OK, good.
1: Listen, mister, I'm, I'm getting awful tired of your I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to work.
0: I said, throw down, boy.
1: You gonna do something or just stand there and bleed?
0: Okay, unfuckers, here's the deal. We have a few notes to follow up on on our third installment of the healthcare series, third and final for the moment. Next time we dip into healthcare, as we said, it's probably going to be in the mental health field. This was a three-part series to kind of explain why costs are so out of control, who's to blame and why the problem might be bigger than we are able to tackle both politically and economically on the immediate horizon, save for one thing that could change everything. And that is to remove money from politics. Much bigger issue, a much bigger issue that obviously cures so many more things. Now, I did promise that we are going to enter The autumn phase of the show, it's not the end of summer just yet. It's very close. We're going to enter the autumn phase of the show by introducing our fall trifecta raiser. Here's what this is. We're going to do a little friend raising, a little fundraising, and a little hell raising together. Here's how we're going to distinguish between them. First off, a friend raiser is just to find a way to recruit new listeners and make your and their presence known. Either through our listener run Facebook group, Unfuckers at All, that's Unfuckers E T A L, Unfuckers at All, or by sending us an email to UNFTRpod at Gmail, tweeting and adding us, and your new friend as well. We want these newbie fuckers to be called out in their own section of show notes so we can welcome them to the show, get them indoctrinated, get them into the cult, the group, sorry, and make sure that they feel loved and welcome into the show. So it's a friend raiser. So if you're one of those people that puts on the headphones and and you just have 99 and Manny and I in your ears and you're learning all this wonderful information and if, even if you're passing it off as your own, that's okay. But we want you to find a person and bring them along. Because if we have tens of thousands of listeners right now, according to the analytics, tens of thousands of you all over, we're going to need hundreds of thousands of you to do some of the other things that we're going to talk about, Okay. So it starts by inviting a friend, totally free, just a little bit of effort. Tell somebody, hey, got this pod. I want you to listen to it. Pick out the episode that you think will resonate with that person the most, share it with them and say, I want to talk to you about this. Can you give it a listen? And hey, write into these guys and tell them that you just started listening and that you are a newbie fucker. The second piece is the fundraiser. So this is a focus on memberships. So many of you are purchasing our native roasted coffee, and we are incredibly appreciative of that. It is its own little business model, its own little thing to support the the members of the Puspatak Reservation that run the native coffee traders. And everything's going great there. And every month we do a little bit more on coffee, and they're growing, and and they're hiring people, and this is a wonderful thing. We're going to focus on memberships. Now, at some point, we're going to release a sponsorship package but getting through the gauntlet to qualify as a sponsor, like an advertiser, is going to be a high bar. We've said it before that we've had a lot of people approach us, and it just it doesn't feel right to try and shill a product to unfuckers after we've developed such a great level of trust between one another. So if somebody does break through and we ultimately have sponsors for the show, again, it's going to be meaningful. It's going to mean something. So right now what we want to do is focus on growing our membership base Because right now we have 258 members of the show. Now, earlier in the year, you might recall when we hit 99 because I thought that was funny. And then a lot of people wrote in and said, you only have 99 members? Uh, How small is this show? Well, it's actually really hard to get members because we don't gate any content, right? So we sweat and earn each member that comes to the show. And we value each and every one of them because it's a big deal to ask people for money to support a show when they're not really getting anything that is exclusive in any way. We're trying to build out membership perks and do more and different things. Obviously, we do a lot of call outs. We spend a lot of time back and forth with our listeners, but membership is kind of a big deal. So 258 to us is, is frankly a lot, but the greater the number of members, the more resources we have, obviously, and the more change we can make. So our initial goal in this fundraising drive is to get 420 members uh, (laughs) by the end of this year. It's a lot to ask because that's a 60% increase in members in a very short period of time. But like I said, goals, man, you got to have goals. Our ultimate goal is actually to welcome 5,000 members to the UNFTR fold. But at some point that, you know, we'll be bulletproof when that happens. And that's going to take a couple of years, but I'm in if you are, right? So, we're going to look for creative ways to add some perks and maintain the family feel of the show at the same time. Others, like I said, rely on gaining the content, and I totally get it, but access to the show and the content is a cornerstone of UNFTR, so that's not an option for us. So we're looking to get up to 420 members by the end of the year to help us sail into 2023 on stronger footing than we are and add a few more resources to the show. Now, part three, this is the Hellraiser part. We're going to adopt two candidates from this point until election day. So we have precious little time to get our poop in a group.
1: You can easily prioritize what's going on and um, and then get your poop in a group because that's what we want to do, right?
0: <laughs> we all want our poop in a group. So we're going to support them vociferously, but positively and all together. It's time to make our voices heard in the political process. But since we are still an adolescent pod, there's only so much we can do. So we're going to try to create a string of social posts. We'd encourage you to create some social posts as well. We'd like to ask our universe of unfucking artists to contribute to it as well so we can begin to share them widely. No matter the state or the country that you live in, we're going to look for you to help spread the word about two specific candidates, one for U.S. Senate and the other for the House of Representatives. So the first is Summer Lee. Summer Lee is campaigning for the open house seat in Pennsylvania's 12th district. She is a progressive who overcame a huge money challenge from outside sources and now faces off against a standard run-of-the-mill blueprint Republican named Mike Doyle. They're vying for the seat that was vacated by Mike Doyle, a Democrat, and that's very confusing. So the guy leaving the seat was named Mike Doyle, and the Republican happens to be also named Mike Doyle. So there's going to be some confusion in the marketplace for people not paying attention. Be like, oh, my guy's over there now. We have to get the word out about Summer Lee. Summer Lee is a dynamic candidate. She is really, really schooled on all of the issues. She ran a fantastic campaign against some serious money sources. She's just, she's the whole package. We need to make her part of the squad. Now, the other is for US Senate and this is in our adopted home state of Wisconsin so even though Nettie's horse in this race was Tom Nelson Nelson had conceded a while ago to throw his support behind Mandela Barnes Barnes is progressive and experienced he's the lieutenant governor right now of Wisconsin and he's going up against that insurrectionist hate monger Ron Johnson who needs to be dispatched to the private sector ASAP now rules of engagement for unfuckers to me this is very important we don't want to troll the opposition. We're not looking to do hit pieces or takedowns or troll the feeds of Mike Doyle or Rojo. That's meaningless. It's pointless. If you're a supporter of Ron Johnson, you're a supporter and uh, God bless you, right? God, uh, nothing Nothing can save you. So we don't need to add fuel to the fire or any distractions over there. As much fun as we have with like sitting elected Official shitheads we're not in the business of tearing down candidates mind you We'll load you up with ammunition in the event that somebody takes you on But we want to avoid sinking to their level because point number two All that does is validate the opposition and spread their name Okay, so don't add fuel to that fire because it just creates more name awareness for them Let the parties kill each other on the airwaves with the negative ads We're just going to talk up our people So we're gonna try and create some resources and some assets for people to share. We're gonna be talking about them every episode during post-show musings. We'll talk about them during show notes. We'll probably do a special feature on each one of them prior to the election. Remember, no matter where you are, if you wanna donate, great. But what we really need is to get out the vote. If you know people in Wisconsin, you're not from Wisconsin, please ask them to do you this favor. Asking people to do you a favor on election day is a time-honored tradition, and it means a lot. If you send an email to that person, it means even more. Send them a handwritten letter, and they'll know you're serious. Okay? So, if you have somebody who's a friend in that state, who's so a friend in Pennsylvania, and happens to be in the 12th district, which is obviously like a needle in a haystack, but anything that you could do to support these two dynamic candidates would be wonderful, and we can help kind of, you know, feed the caucus there right we gotta we gotta keep feeding the progressives so that's what we're gonna do it's a friend raiser it's a fundraiser and a hellraiser.
1: i was going to suggest can we maybe provide some sort of like templates
0: yes that would be wonderful okay yes
1: who's gonna write them
0: are you talking about written templates for the ask me, do me favors or the templates for social posts?
1: Either. Just like some copy that people could use. Yes, 100%. Who's going to write it? Me. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. And then I just got an email from Headcount, which uh, I think I've brought up before. And September 20th is National Voter Registration Day. Ooh-ha. So that might be a good, a good tie in here. Post about that. Ask people if they're registered. Say, hey, are you registered in this state? Vote for this person.
0: That's right. Young fuckers, make sure you're registered. Young. Don't fuckers? leave anything to chance. Young fuckers move around a lot. Sometimes they go to college. They leave college. You don't know where you're registered. A lot of states make it easy. I mean, very easy. New York State makes it very easy to register to vote. Other states make it very difficult on purpose. So make sure you're registered. Check with your local board of elections to make sure that you know where you're going to vote. And if you happen to live in the 12th in Pennsylvania, or if you happen to live in Wisconsin, please make sure you vote for Summer Lee and for Mandela Barnes. There you go. All right. Now, this must be the longest preamble we've ever had getting into show notes, but we are going to be remarkably efficient during show notes themselves. I promise. Okay. All right. Ready? Derek in Vancouver. A serial uncanucker said, "Maybe I missed it, but I don't think you mentioned the Hawaiian healthcare system, the Hawaii Prepaid Healthcare Act. I don't have any direct experience with it, but it sounds a bit similar to the Canadian system from what I've read. I did not get a chance to look into this, fuckers. Any ooh, what are we gonna call Hawaiian fuckers? How about sovereign kingdom that doesn't belong to the United States and just happens to be in between us and Japan, fuckers?
1: That one's a little lengthy. Is it?" Aloha fuckers. Is that too, like, stereotypical? No. Lay fuckers.
0: Howley fuckers. What does that mean? I think Howly is the Hawaiian derogatory term for Americans, for white Americans that come there and mm. live there. I don't Maybe even not. know. Is howley like, a, is that a, can you even say that? Unfucker. Okay. Aloha fuckers. Just let us know. Can you say the word Howie? Is that bad? Because I had a Hawaiian friend growing up who used to call us all Howleys. But I don't actually know if that's okay. And the other thing is, tell us about your healthcare system and how it differs in Hawaii, how expensive it is, how accessible the hospital care is, et cetera, et cetera. That would be very interesting.
1: A website called BigIslandNow.com says it's not a bad word. Oh, really? It says it's been around since before Captain James Cook arrived here in the Hawaiian Islands.
0: See, but Okay, how do you feel about gringo? I don't care. You don't care? You can call me Does anybody care? They want.
1: Sure I see
0: it's, it's in, I, th- I believe it in, to be in the same vein as like gringo.
1: Or like cracker?
0: Yes. Bo yeah.
1: Bice cares. I've definitely, I, I can't, you know, I've definitely talked about this video. I definitely have. No? Bo Bice got called a cracker at an <laughs> airport Popeyes and then went on TV and cried about it. He said, I don't care if you're Bo Bice, Bo Jackson, or Bo Diddley. Everyone should be treated the same.
0: Mm. Okay. Well, he he's literally a he cried. Literally?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. Physically, literally, figuratively, any other word I don't know the t- correct usage of. All
0: right.
1: <laughs> Metaphorically. All
0: right. What did Andrew S. have to say?
1: Okay. Uh, so Go Andrew worse. S. said, in one of the recent show notes, a fellow on Knucker wrote in describing his experience crossing the border for health care. I would like to assure your listeners that the vast majority of Canadians are not doing this. Our hospitals are under-equipped, understaffed, and seriously underfunded, especially my province, where the provincial government is slowly stripping away our public health care. I would still rather be in this system than be in debt over a hospital bill. I'll take five hours sitting in a waiting room with a broken arm over paying five hundred bucks for an X-ray.
0: Yeah, I don't think we spend enough time talking about how the Canadian system actually is we talk a lot about or you hear a lot about the Canadian system is either terrible and socialist or it's just so much better and so much more advanced. I have a family experience with this, with people being in very, very long queues to get coverage. And, you know, it's again, it all it all depends on it all depends on what you value as a society. It is better there on balance, but we have access to much better technology and can be more timely and efficient for all those who have the coverage to do so. There's a happy medium, and it's called France. Anyway, uh, thank you for writing that in. I appreciate it. It was interesting to see that our first two emails come from Uncanuckers. Now, we have back-to-back emails about strikes happening in separate parts of the country that have one common thread. We'll talk about that in a sec. First, Amanda R. said, Here's an angle on mental health care squarely in the UNFTR lanes. The longest strike in mental health history is currently happening in California. The National Union of Healthcare Workers went on strike on August 22nd to make Kaiser fix its mental health care system. The strike is about to go into its fourth week. She gave us many more details on that, but I encourage people to look it up if they're interested. And that one was followed by Ron N., who said, Hey all, I know you're about to drop the hospital show and just wanted to make sure you were tracking the largest hospital nurses strike in history, 15,000 nurses in Twin Cities and Duluth, albeit only a three-day strike, is happening right now. Would love to hear a shout-out. We had already recorded the episode when we got this email, so we didn't have a chance to do it in the actual recording, so it's a little late to give them a shout-out. But I did want to draw everybody's attention to something that Dr. Mark Vonnegut said in the his closing thoughts at the end of the episode, which was actually funny to, to read it out loud to see that he had written it out. But he said, you know, if doctors had half the balls... Of nurses in this country and knew how to strike against the system to call it out then maybe there might be progress instead of profit really interesting stuff so uh, we stand behind all the nurses that are that are obviously striking to make mental health care better to make safety better and safety precautions to have uh, funding and to provide uh, more money for staffing all of those things because as we know now they have it to give so why wouldn't you give it to the people that are dispensing the care? And if anybody has had a hospital stay, you'll know that the doctors may be wonderful, but the nurses run the show. Now, let's get into general emails, and the first one here is from Rob C.
1: So Rob said, I cannot express how much I appreciated Tom McGovern's red right hand opening. He nailed it so well that I thought you were using the original for some reason, but then the lyrics kicked in and I had surprise Pikachu face. Pikachu! <laughs> <laughs> I do think he was using the track, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. So, yeah, because that would be impossible <laughs> to replicate. Yeah, yes. so your your red, thought was correct. Red, right hand.
0: A rusty microphone in his red, right hand. Why is it red? I don't know. I Blood? assume it's bloody.
1: So, oh, I like, caught red hand in.
0: I guess so. I never delved too much into the lyrics. I've just I told if you, you sh- it was the, just the, in my the, Peaky Blinders You have no face. idea
1: what the, the song could be
0: about. By order of the Peaky fucking Blinders. All right, Arthur. What are you looking up? Are you Are looking up the meaning of red right hand? No, I'm just
1: looking at the lyrics. Mm.
0: They're very dark.
1: Yeah. yeah. What does red right hand signify? The phrase was inspired by John Milton's Paradise Lost.
0: Ooh, I have the, that book and where where haven't read it.
1: The red right hand represents divine vengeance.
0: Mmm. I love it. Here you go. That's what UNFTR is. Divine vengeance. Hmm. Well, we meet people where they are.
1: Yeah. You're meeting people where they are. I'm divine vengeance.
0: That's right, man. I'm just trying to... Unfuckers, I'm just trying to save you from the wrath of 99. You don't understand the Lord's work that I do on a daily basis to keep her from murdering all the 75-year-old white men.
1: Only if they deserve it, which is like...
0: Oh, that's a new caveat. So now you have... Are you, you're gonna impanel a jury or you're no. you are judge, jury, and executioner? Yes. We're just gonna march them all on every day. Like defending your life? Huh? You're just gonna watch some video, right? Make a determination. Done. And may the odds be ever in your favor.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say did are you in any way involved in the creation or funding of the movie Atonement? <laughs> then anybody who is tangentially connected has <laughs> gotta go.
0: What if they've seen it? What if they seen? It? What if they saw it and they enjoyed it?
1: Then also have to go. You gotta go. If they saw and they were equally enraged, they get to live. What
0: if? All right, so a dude, seventy-five year old dude, comes in front That's of you.
1: That's an old man,
0: dude. And he's eaten. Uh, Cherry Garcia ice cream. He's got a Grateful Dead T-shirt on. Takes his headphones off, and you can tell he's listening to Fish. And uh, you know he's adopted uh, seventeen children. <laughs> you're
1: just gonna say he's adopted, right?
0: He's got seventeen <laughs> children, and you can tell this is just a this is a good good person. He comes in front of you, and you're like, "Hey, fucker, did you like Atonement?" And he's like, "Yeah, it was pretty good. good you know, really creative concept, man." Dead?
1: Um, I'd give him like a few like a little bit of justification, like. Tell me why and can you see why I'm angry about it? And then if he can understand that I had to endure this movie and artificial sadness was impl- a
0: fucking trap because you're you're, you're teeing him up to mansplain to you the no, movie.
1: No, I'm saying And the okay, minute that motherfucker no, starts gonna, mansplaining no. to you,
0: the trapdoor's <laughs> opening, like Austin Powers and ah,
1: I'm good. Well, in Austin Powers they don't actually die because he's bad at it. So technically Well it's
0: Scots that won't open, right?
1: No, Uh, no, they go into the lasers with the the shark, and then they never remember. Scott's always like, aren't you going to watch to make sure they die? (laughs) So, look.
0: I hate you. I hate you. I especially hate you. Kevin G is a Baltimore fucker. So my first experience with a union job was at the age of 17. Memco store 551. Went on strike to get better wages and won. This was 1980. Then I got hired by the Baltimore County Fire Department in 1982. Local 1311, of the IAFF, and bargained for a fourth shift and subsequent workweek reduction, 56 to 48 hours, thus allowing me a shot at the job. 30 years later, I retired. In the fire department, we have a unique problem, volunteers. In my time in Baltimore County, I've heard more than one politician complain that the county didn't need to pay for a fire department when they had the volunteers. Most notably, county councilman don mason whose district had four paid stations and three volunteer said this out loud in a council meeting they really perceive the volunteers as free even though the county heavily subsidizes them fuel maintenance paying for ambulance crews etc and have no idea how the, these volunteers fail on a regular basis the shenanigans that go in the volunteers would never be tolerated in any other branch of public safety Add to that the increased and continuing militarization of all branches of public safety, whose members are staunchly anti-union, and you get the current situation. A union that is required to represent all, but is composed of at least 60% scabs. They have no idea that if the unions went away, the county would probably outsource the fire department to the volunteers. I'd like to see you guys do a deep dive on public safety unions, IAFF and FOP. My guess is the FOP is as corrupt as anything Hoffa and the Teamsters ever did. So when we did the union episode, I stopped very far short of touching the public safety unions and just steered into the labor unions. I'm a very big advocate for labor unions. Talent unions like SAG and AFTRA and making sure artists are compensated for their work. Even ASCAP and BMI and all those agencies and you know that, that extract fees out of entertainment given that the artists, big fan. Teachers unions, for sure. And I'm aware of the downsides. You know, I live in New York. It's education is a huge, huge issue here. But I'm still way more in favor of teachers' unions than I am anything else in the privatized system. Fire departments is another area. I get it. And I know for a fact. That volunteers, forget about any fuckery that might go on inside a volunteer firehouse. I know for a fact that volunteer firefighters are injured and or die in fire and smoke-related accidents at a level that way surpasses professional fire departments. So as a matter of their safety, it's also, I think, important to have more stringent guidelines. I also live in a part of New York where I think there are more firehouses than schools, by, like, a lot. There's probably more firehouses than houses. I think we each get two firefighters. I mean, it's just, it's it's absurd. It's really silly. And the budgetary fuckery that goes on, because most councils don't have the uh, panache to push back on even the volunteer departments that ask for the sun, the moon, and the stars and get outfitted with the most outrageous stuff that has nothing to do with firefighting. But it is an important service. It's a critical service. Have you ever been in a fire? Have ever seen a fire? If you ever seen how quickly a fire spreads? If you live in a part of this country that is overwhelmed with fires, you know how important this role is. So I'm a big supporter and fan of fire fighting unions. Would love to see the volunteer corps go away, personally. I really would. You can have volunteers for other type of jobs there. It doesn't have to be 100%. But you know where I'm going with this, and that is... The police unions. (sighs) So yes. We're going to have to do an episode on it at some point. It's one of those things that you want police officers to have union protection. You don't want them to be at-will employees because you want professionals on the job. And you want those professionals to be protected. The problem arises because... They operate with impunity against the communities that they represent sometimes, not in service of them, as we know. It's a deep issue. Uh, There is no straightforward answer there. It's a great one to unpack as we look at the upsides and the downsides of it, and why the union happens to have so much power and so much control within the fraternal order of police. Interesting stuff. Thank you for sending that and teeing that up. I appreciate the call out specifically to professional fire departments. I think they're important.
1: Okay. And Brendan C. said, just wanted to say thank you for the show and share some YouTube recommendations. Video essay love rather than book love, if you will. So Brendan shares contrapoints. points. I feel like we've talked about them in the past. It sounds familiar, but... Brennan gives some descriptions for each one. So ContraPoints covers cultural issues, particularly, in particularly <laughs> whatever, in the LGBT space. I'm I only just,
0: laughing because you've seen me <laughs> midstream correct my particularlys with the <laughs> As we're reading scripts, and I just sort of like give a little eyebrow raise, and I always see you smile when I'm like, in particular, per, per, and especially.
1: <laughs> it's just, why'd they make it that hard, you know? Well, so... She's known for meeting the right, especially young reactionary all right types where they are and being able to help deprogram them and then shared one on incels as a starting point. So I'll link that. This one's called FD Signifier, Progressive Politics and Culture from a Black Viewpoint, which I call out specifically because left-leaning YouTube tends to be pretty white place overall. And it's good to hear other perspectives. I really love this piece of Obama looked at through the intersecting lenses of progressive politics and blackness. So there's a part one and two that I'll link. Now, this one's called Some More News, something like where The Daily Show could have gone if they had become really progressive. Hidden miss for me, but overall doing good work. And I'll share the link there as well. And then Brendan ends with, oh, and let's end the false ketchup mustard dichotomy. They're different seasonings for different purposes, and I love them both. Let's be tolerant of all condiments that are not themselves intolerant. Hear, here, question mark.
0: <laughs> okay, I am subscribing to all three right now. I hope I. Oh, contrapoints is dark. She's holding a skull. Am I on the right one? <laughs> Some like it dark. Wait, no, I think I'm on the. Oh goodness. Oh dear. What All have the I done Lincoln to my subscriber? <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> is this her? It is. Oh, she's dark. Cool. Oh, I love this. Hello, boys. Let's talk about bone structure. Okay. Oh, she's scary. And some more news. Okay. I'm in. Now, Knudsen has some really good news. This is fun. 99 and I were Slack celebrating when we got this message from Knudsen, who says, Hiya, folks. The privatization efforts on my UW Oshkosh campus have been stopped. I thank Nettie. Without her influence, I would not have been the informed and motivated person I am. Y'all are a big piece of that informed part. In my remarks to the local American Federation of Teachers Union, I was able to speak on the lunacy of a free market solution to our public institution problems. Many at that meeting later joined in carrying signs and marching on our campus. All hail Nettie. I am so, so happy and, and so gratified that this happened. Yes, because we love Knutson, but because I feel like it's one of those things that really, without his motivation and without him getting these students involved, would have been just like a run-of-the-mill university decision that probably wouldn't have caught much attention from anybody, right?
1: Yeah, I think, (laughs) I mean, this is the most polite way possible. I think college kids like protesting because it's all they kind of have. And a lot of times it does nothing because like <laughs> this. I know this sounds really cynical, but like kids at my college would protest like they were protesting against Ukraine. I saw like the Ukraine Russia, not against Ukraine. Sorry. <laughs> Scratch that from the record. But they were like walking around with the Ukrainian flag and support. And I was like, I know it's in solidarity, but it just looks silly to me. I, I, I'm just being a cynic and an asshole. But I think <laughs> because this is something that actually incites change. Yes. You know, yeah. they're going to be all over it.
0: It's do, exciting.
1: Do I sound, am I am I a dick? Do you think I'm a dick?
0: Like, uh,
1: this isn't Berkeley. I mean, I know you're a dick. Like in the 60s. It's not like, we're not actually getting anything from this. But I, I recognize the place of protests. I just am weary of virtue signaling advocacy.
0: Absolutely. And I, th- listen, I think college campuses have ignited some great change in this country, but I think it's definitely been overblown in the recent years and we've kind of lost that muscle. Again, I go back to Occupy. That's what was stunning to me about Occupy was looking at a new generation that was working that muscle out and exercising it in a way that hadn't been done in such a disruptive and meaningful way. Because I mean, to really do this right, you either have to spill out of the campus or you have to shut down the campus, right? Otherwise it is in solidarity and performative and that helps raise awareness, and I think that's all important, it's all great. But our liberal institutions have been so mollified by the conservative movement and the careerism within the academic circles, and the fear, and the fact that these institutions are primarily now for the elite.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Certainly the top 5%, not the people that are, are the most uncomfortable. So it's different now, I think, than it used to be when it was more accessible. And with, so it is awesome to see students lining up behind the maintenance workers and also affecting change. And I hope that Unfuckers, and because I saw a lot of the activity when I was uh, eavesdropping on the Unfuckers at All group, which is growing really nicely. They surpassed 500. I think it's at 520 or something like that now. And they're really active and talking. Knudsen welcomes every single one to that group, every single person. And I know, I mean, I know myself, personally, I went and I signed the petition, and a ton of other people I know signed the petition because they were all, you know, done, done, done. That stuff really fucking matters. So maybe you'll never go to Wisconsin. You'll never go to the UW Oshkosh campus. Maybe you'll never meet Knutson in person. But you made an impact, and you changed somebody's life. And it's really, really fucking cool. So thanks, everybody, for doing that. And well done. Well done, Knudsen. All hail Nettie.
1: Very artful switch from me uh, shitting on college kids for protesting.
0: <laughs> listen. Listen. I'm just. I'm saying, gonna reveal in something. My, what? I'm gonna reveal were something. Were you pro-
1: oh god, no. What did you do? What did you do when you were in college? No, what did you- I pro-
0: was a contrarian.
1: I know, but what were you doing? What did you protest against or for?
0: I might have had uh, when I was able to bring a car I might have had bumper sticker that said pave the rainforest and would delight in disrupting all the hippies on the campus by calling them credit card hippies because they all came from a lot of money
1: you can't change that
0: I know I know I I didn't say I was proud of it but you know I was I was one of (laughs) I was one of those douchebags and I I had a long way to go and it I didn't even it wasn't an issue I cared about I just wanted to sit in opposition to everything that was around me. I've grown up a lot. It sure was
1: really fun in your head.
0: I've grown up a lot. Have you? I really have.
1: <laughs> ok. Well, let's go to let's go to social and don't come for me, college kids. I love you. But also, you know, you get it. It's like <laughs> you're in upstate New York. Vladimir Putin can't see your sign from here. That's all I'm saying. So <laughs> Aaron N. said, there are four basic foundations to any good government, justice, insurance, security and health care. If you don't have these basics in return for your taxation, you aren't doing it right.
0: Here, here, Aaron. On Twitter, Heath Duncan 108 said, I've been completely consumed by every single unfucking episode in the catalog. There is nothing else like this that I have heard in my life. Is Heath the one that made it all the way through? Yeah. All the way through the fucking catalog.
1: Show notes, quickies, flashbacks, and all. Oh,
0: Lord. Wow. What? Just good on you, Heath. It's like you're here with us. You're just, I wish we could, I wish we could knight you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Did you see Heath was voting Republican
0: all his life? Yeah.
1: That's the type of shit that, you know, we're doing.
0: Yeah. Heath, I was with you. I'm a, a recovering Republican from years and years ago.
1: Should we make stickers that say that?
0: Recovering Republican. That's pretty good. I'm
1: sure they exist. They must. Yeah, but we could put our logo on it, and then it's unique. That's right. <laughs> I'll put it on the list of things that I'll never do.
0: Come on, you no, do no, it all. not.
1: Well, I mean, you more.
0: do it all. You always get there. <laughs>
1: oh, sure.
0: Hey, we had a couple of donations, by the way. Should we get to those? Yes, sir. The first one is from Inianian. How would I do?
1: I think that's as good a guess as any.
0: Inianian became a member. Oh, a bottle fucker who's original. Oh boy. He's originally from New Jersey and a few episodes behind. Please don't hold either of these against me. First of all, we'd never hold you uh, being a bottle fucker No, the Jersey and
1: being behind.
0: Oh, being behind. Oh, okay. And being from New Uh, Jersey. From New Jersey, sorry, going to hold it against you, even though you're a member. I mean, that's just how deep this runs. The fact that you're a few episodes behind, no problem. Problem all the time in the world to catch up. Don't you worry about it. Please don't hold them against me. I've been thinking about supporting for a while, but your homage to Nettie gave me the kick in the pants that I needed. In honor of her and memory to my Teamster mom, I'm finally sending your team some recurring financial support, even if it isn't much. Thank you for helping me find the words and the history to defend what's right and meet people where they are. Keep fighting the good fight. I love everything about this, even the part about you being from New Jersey, because that's truly meeting one another where we are. And I, I just, can I get why? Have you noticed that like literally everybody from New Jersey that writes in is cool or funny? I, I feel like everyone when who pumped, writes
1: in is cool and funny.
0: It's just the rest of them, right? What? So the rest of them. The rest. Not the ones that don't write in. I can oh. still hate them, right?
1: Well, sure. I was saying all of our listeners are cool and funny.
0: It's true. It's true. Okay. Well,
1: you try you're going to name the ones that aren't. Let's come for them. <laughs>
0: No, I mean, we had one early on. It was a detractor, then a supporter, then became a detractor again. And that's it now, right? Everybody else <laughs> loves us.
1: I'm sure I could find a detractor very easily.
0: <laughs> Listen, Don't. if I didn't lose everybody over my love for ketchup, then I think they're with us for life, right?
1: Sure. <laughs> the pave the rainforest might go, it's like a hair too far.
0: Listen, it's 30 years ago. I was I was a child. Yeah, I, but have you not repented? what I did. Oh, I've often. <laughs> Often.
1: What have you done for the rainforest?
0: Well, visited. You've not the rainforest, rainforest, but I went to a rainforest. Have you been to
1: the rainforest cafe, though?
0: And I've been there. Have you
1: apologized to the talking tree?
0: Uh, I don't think I... Not on, like, bended knee. I didn't go up to the tree, like, the wailing wall and mm. stick a note in it, you know?
1: I went to the rainforest cafe as a child, and I got chicken nuggets. I wasn't a vegetarian yet. I was okay. quite young. Mm-hmm. And then it like fake rain from the sky. And I cried. Why? Because my chicken nuggets got wet.
0: That's a little ridiculous in a restaurant, right? Give me
1: new ones. Yeah, that's
0: a little ridiculous, right?
1: (laughs) I think it was scary. Nobody
0: wants a wet nugget. Put that on a bumper sticker.
1: It was like sensory overload, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, there's a tree yelling at me, the sky it's thundering inside.
0: Well, for Maria's sake, down in Puerto Rico, I went to El Yunque.
1: Nice. Rainforest
0: in Puerto Rico on a handful of occasions, I used to love going to Puerto Rico, one cool. of my favorite places.
1: Wow, humble yes. brag.
0: Um, listen, it was it was the 90s, it was a, a lot cheaper to fly, and uh, it didn't take nine hours to uh, get through security at the mm. airport. Okay, yeah.
1: cool. <laughs> Do you want to read the next one? Sure. Okay.
0: At Kevin Meyerson, well, I just garbled that Kevin all up. At Kevin Meyerson, bought five coffees and became a member. Goodness gracious, a double dipper. I've been a happy listener since the beginning. I'd like to hear more about climate change. Obviously, he doesn't want to hear me go on about paving the rainforest then. And particularly about renewable energy, energy efficiency, especially in buildings. Ooh, hitting some of my jam here.
1: We could talk about how LEED certification is fake.
0: We can. Electrification of transportation. That's a good one, too. Um, sounds geeky. No, it's 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 not geeky at all, Kevin. Sounds geeky, but it's all critical policy for addressing the climate emergency. Also, it seems that this area is one that many folks suffer from preconceived notions, mainly caused by disinformation, but also from the difficult technical level. Yeah, I would want to tackle them separately because I, there there is really a lot there. Energy efficiency in buildings and in homes, to me, is one of the most misunderstood, underreported aspects of stemming the tide. So we've talked about food and the and the protein industry. I think climate resiliency and efficiency among our physical infrastructure is a really important one. And then transportation—goodness gracious, transportation is really the one that I think is. So so I know of a, of a few really really effective programs. And as a matter of fact,
1: oh, the boring industry. The, or whatever he calls it.
0: Oh, Elon? Yeah. <laughs> no, going back to energy efficiency. What was ultimately passed in the in the wake of the Build Back Better bill failure, what was ultimately passed between the original stimulus bill and then some measures to shore it up in the Inflation Reduction Act, which sort of acted like, you know, like this little bookended bulwark, even though we lost a lot of great provisions, that those acted like a bookend to try and pass some of the more important investments into energy efficiency. There are real programs to help residential and commercial facilities and buildings go green and they're very important. I mean they're very important. The transportation issue, I have more questions than answers about that. So I feel like I could do them separately and I would personally be learning a shit ton on the transportation side for the exact reason that Kevin calls out here, which is there's a there's a ton of disinformation and misinformation. Uh and developing policy and we're learning new things and for every new technology and greater awareness that we have and time in the game, we learn more about it and we know and we, we create different new problems that we have to deal with. So good stuff. I appreciate that feedback.
1: Hey y'all, it's me, Manny Faces. As some of you know, one of the other podcasts that I work on is called Newsbeat. We cover a lot of social justice issues, including some episodes that have delved into climate change, and I just want to let you know that we just put out an episode called Climate Propaganda, the Fossil Fuel Industry's Big Lie, and it's about how ad and PR agencies are being used to help fossil fuel giants sow doubt in climate science and branding them believers in clean alternatives and how we shouldn't be falling for it. So if that interests you, just pull up Newsbeat in your podcast app, Newsbeat, two words, or now swing on over to Newsbeat's Substack. It's at newsbeat.substack.com. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming.
0: And uh, lastly, Ismail, which is, I assume, just what we should call this person. See what I did there? Also became a member.
1: I rolled my eyes. It was...
0: Could you hear it? Yeah. <laughs> Could you hear it on fuckers? And that's all we have for uh, members this week. How about reviews?
1: Yeah, we have one from Sweden. One? Yeah. How come just one? I don't know. But guess what? Kevin's from Japan or lives in Japan. Seriously? Yeah. So this person lives in Sweden. We're just global. Unbelievable. So bitching in Swedish said, been listening for about a year and the show is so awesome. So educational and highly entertaining. Thanks Max, 99 and Manny for the great work.
0: Wait, why did they thank you guys? Why Why did they they thank you? you? That's a better question. Thanks, everybody. I hope we kept this nice, tight, and efficient this week.
1: Yeah, I think we did a good job.
0: I think we did. If we didn't have the 42-minute preamble coming into this about uh, movies and the, our, our three-part razor, this would have been like our most efficient show notes ever, I feel.
1: And I wonder why that is.
0: Because I shut the fuck up. Right? A little bit. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, that's why people are here. For you to explain things that I come in, I make fun of them, <laughs> and occasionally offer some weird insight about, like, pyramid schemes or vegetarianism cults, cults veganism yeah it's basically jam bands yeah i have no actual they know your
0: hot buttons i don't
1: know any like useful things
0: you know all useful things
1: that's not true the
0: real world applications of all the things we're talking about
1: i mean sure but right? yeah the
0: democratization of music right you can talk about that all you know all day okay do you not
1: i can but i mean right i don't know
0: it's all related it's all one giant ecosystem okay all right unfuckers Get on it. Let's do this. We got a couple of people to support here. Obviously, we're going to support progressive candidates all throughout the country in the, as we head into the midterms. But the two that we're going to focus on are Summer Lee and Mandela Barnes.
1: Do you promise you're going to stick to this on like our summer of legislation?
0: No. So I am so glad you brought that up. And I have to be, I have to be honest about this. The Biden administration did way more than I thought it was going to. Because typically, as you get closer to the midterms, things don't get across the finish line. It's like that first, they always talk about the first hundred days. It's really like the first 15 months of a presidency. If you've got the House behind you in the Senate, you can make a lot of stuff happen. This Congress has been remarkably efficient. There are certainly very real world detractors. We're going to cover one of them in our next episode. I'm kind of excited about this episode who are looking at this not from a human perspective, but from a budgetary, inflationary perspective and a monetary policy perspective. There are very deep-rooted feelings in the financial community in particular that we are headed for a cataclysm. I don't share that feeling, by the way. But when it came to the summer of legislation, we had pushed for so many things to be split up and put into individual bills because they had a better shot of making it on their own because I didn't think that they had the wherewithal to come together. And then the Roberts court struck down Roe v. Wade. And the January 6th commission, I think, set some people in the Republican Party, in the mainstream Republican Party, back on their heels a little bit. And I think that the the rollout, the tax credits, and the the promise at the time of student debt relief and all these things started rolling, interestingly, rolling some momentum in Biden's favor. And as gas prices started to come down, they got their shit together. We lost a lot of really good stuff in these bills, but we gained way more than I ever thought we were going to. So now the game really is hold on. Hold on as best we can, because it's interesting to see what might come after these midterms and how that begins to inform the next election cycle because the things that people love and this so progressives this is where we need to be unified the things that people loved that Biden did are all progressive ideas so I'm not a fan of a lot of what happened and more so of what got excluded but the popular shit that's gonna that's gonna make us competitive in the midterms and improving Biden's approval ratings right now are all progressive ideas. So just hold on to that fact because it's happening. Remember, student debt doesn't get acted upon if progressives don't make that an issue. Follow that all the way down the chain. Climate resiliency, you know, building in budgets to combat climate change,
1: paving the rainforest. Paving the
0: rainforest. None of that shit happens without progressives yelling constantly at the top of their lungs for change. So we're, we have some momentum on our side. Let's see it manifest in getting Ron Johnson out. Let's see it manifest in getting this next Mike Doyle out. And uh, let's vote in Mandela Barnes and Summer Lee. We've got an episode on, it's the first of a not series. And at this time, I promise it's not a series called The Enablers. We're going to be examining companies that do the devil's bidding, and that'll happen probably over the next few months or so. We're just going to drop them in periodically. I'm really excited about the first one, because there is some misinformation out about even how evil this company is, and we might be looking at the evils of this company for the wrong reasons. So excited to dig into it, and we'll see you on the weekend. 99, peace. And chicken grease. No. Just for you. Keep saying that. Just for you.
1: And soggy chicken nuggets. Wet nuggets Ew why does, why does it make it Moist That nuggets. doesn't bother me But something about the phrasing Wet nugget
0: Yeah 99's wet nuggets There's nope, another bumper sticker I don't like that That's the one There's I There's something weird in that it's So weird it's, it's, no, it's no bueno I know
1: Yeah Can you figure out something So we don't leave the unfuckers with this like, Come up with something better Bye No Yeah we gotta Palate cleanse Max, right now Max out
0: 99's wet nuggets No I know I what it, it is I put it to song I'll well, send it to Tom McGovern. Absolutely
1: not! I know what I'm going to do. Sucking on a
0: chili dog. We're going to put in 99's <laughs> wet nuggets. <laughs> no,
1: ew! <laughs> We're going to put in Bob I's crying, and it's going to make everybody happy. Okay, great. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: I'm very, very sorry for the terrible distress that I've caused. James McAvoy. Kira Knightley. Atonement.
1: America, you should be ashamed.